What's in common between an amazing belly dancer, international performer, instructor, and choreographer, a director of a truly unique and self-owned circus, an acrobat, aerialist, and dancer, a doctorate in French literature, a personality who have been featured in documentaries, TV programs, a creative writer, and a mother? Well, the common thing is my guest today, Melinda Paulata, who is all of that and so much more. And as she says, she does not like to carry any titles or accomplishments, but just be, flow, learn, discover, be creative, and have fun. I met her years ago, and we share many encounters, share our common passion for dance, and also... I was privileged enough to have her in my photographic journey. She had such a unique upbringing that shaped in her a profound way of looking at life, and she shares some of it in this episode. With her, we talk about what were her pillars and safe tokens in life as she moved often between countries, schools, cultures, and places, how she sharpened the tool of asking better and more useful questions to confront challenges in her life how she explored different options in life, different from her parents, and creating how she wanted to show up in the world. What is living a happy life for her? How to learn to trust your intuition and train it. The importance of cultivating sitting in discomfort. The importance of releasing feelings. Ready for some deepness and some laughs? Have you ever wondered what makes people capable of creating changes that impact their lives and the world around them? What is their way of thinking, their mentality, their patterns, their perceptions of the world, their reactions to different life events? What influences them? My name is Cristina Puyol, and I invite you to join me in this adventure where we will explore together the mind of change makers. Today, I have with me a true change maker who started in the world of belly dancing and circus performing already as a kid to then get a PhD in French literature and then went on to teach as an adjunct professor of French at Boston College and then went back to her roots of belly dancing and circus aerials. She is a world-renowned belly dancer, performer, instructor, choreographer, co-founder of Daughters of Rhea Belly Dance Company, Melinda has also performed as an acrobat, aerialist, and dancer in the Pickle Family Circus, Circus Flora, Cirque Passion, which she co-founded, Amazing Grace Circus, and the Walenda Family Circus. She's also a writer. Her essays on belly dancing, economics, and motherhood have been published in The Glided Serpent, The Boston Globe, and Brain, Child Magazine, French Forum, to name a few. She and her family have been profiled in the New Yorker magazine, the documentary So Much So Fast, A Magical Life Circus Flora, A Runaway Circus. She was featured dance teacher on the MTV television show Madea, I think it's pronounced, and appeared on the reality show Bridezilla, where she was contracted to dance at the Bridezilla wedding, to also name a few. She seeks to empower all of her students so that no matter their age, level, or ability, they find pleasure in the process of learning. Melinda was also on the faculty of Kripalu Center of Yoga and Health and is invited around the world as Melinda of Daughters of Ria to teach her empowering, joyful brand of belly dancing. She's also a mother of a beautiful young woman who's also a world-class aerialist. She co-founded the Modistry Circles. Her curriculum is endless. This is just a fraction, but I thought it would be more fun to talk to her than read more of her curriculum. So let's welcome Melinda Paulata. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm very good. I just want to. I just want to like let go of that curriculum and just be <laughs> too much. <laughs> no, I'm great. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. But it's, it, that's the wonderful thing about you that I remember when we met. That despite of all your amazing accomplishments as a human being, you're an amazing human being. And I think it's so easy to connect with you. So I was very fortunate to cross paths with you. I agree. I, I've never forgot our times. We did we did a lot of collaborating and you had many also artistic interests that I really admire doing photography, doing beautiful salsa. You know, we had a great time collaborating. Yeah. 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 And I wanted to bring you, first of all, because it's an excuse to talk to you, which I love. 
But I wanted to bring you here because you have an amazing life also of changing careers and navigating very different worlds. And since this is the Change Makers Mind podcast, I wanted for you to share a little bit of your transitions and your thoughts and, and your process on that. So if you could tell us just a little summary of like how you started as a kid and then a little bit of your story. Okay. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I know it's a long story, but it's a long story. Yeah. Well, I think that the fact that my parents came together in the hippie era of Berkeley, California in the 1960s uh, is really important for how my life unfolded. So, you know, even their story of, you know, how they lived and my father's a musician and my mom's a, became a belly dancer and both of them were living this hippie lifestyle of artists and they were together very briefly and and then they parted ways and shared me from the time I was still in diapers. So I was going back and forth and back and forth between them because they wanted to have an amicable separation and, and just make me part of their lives. So I think that, you know, from the beginning, <laughs> I was made to make changes, <laughs> you know, like I was going back and forth and my first nickname was the little suitcase. Really? <laughs> yes. And I was just this little, they want, they were like, my dad would say that because you know how those babies wear little onesies, little outfit, you know, and they just thought if you put a handle on my back, chuk, chuk, you just pass me back and forth. And, you know, in the time when I was little, even everybody called me that, my uncles and, you know, and my dad also makes a lot of nicknames. So, yeah, so I think that just where I was born and the people I was born to and how they managed their life and the environments I was in. I lived in communes. I lived with artists, um, hippies who were questioning society's conventions, who were for peace, who were spiritually awakening in new ways. Um, and, you know, there was just a, I, I didn't even understand the world in kind of the, the way that a lot of people do. I didn't know where, I, I didn't understand myself to be even like an American. I, I was just, I was um, really truly kind of emerged from this hippie scene of, of love and community. And, you know, that was the vibe of the era. And I got to be in that. And so, you know, with that, there weren't really expectations put on me for like what I was supposed to be in life, um, except for a loving person, a person who treated people with kindness and nobody was above anybody else. And um, yeah, so I think that was a very interesting foundation for going and, and being an explorer in life, being a creative person nobody was saying you have to do this you have to do that i didn't have those parental kind of expectations mm -hmm. and i was sort of i see myself and i look back i was kind of like a child of like going with the flow you know following my curiosity sort of figuring out how to take care of myself because there was also a lot of weird stuff you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went to 16 different elementary and junior high schools growing oh, up. Oh, wow. So it was constantly, I was starting over again, constantly. And that's not to say that I wasn't like, I was nervous. I was, I had a lot of worry. I had, there was a feeling of like instability, but there was in my core a sense that I would be okay. And I was very brave in a sense, you know, mm -hmm. to, I felt, I felt brave and I could practice that bravery of 
always being, okay, it's a new situation. This is new. Okay. But I can trust basically people on some level. I can trust that it's going to be okay. I mean, got to deal with stuff. So, yeah. So I guess I would start with that as a really important foundation of how I was raised. So you were kind of trained by default to experience change over and over and over for at least 16 schools. <laughs> That's a lot of change. It's a lot of change. Six, and, and many, many, many places of living too. Like no, there was no, I don't have a childhood home. I don't have my room that I, you know, there was no room. You know, I was in, my first crib was in my mother's makeup drawer. You know, she just pulled out the drawer, <laughs> put me in there. <laughs> <laughs> with all of her, you know, tribal jewelry and for, you know, and, 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 and makeup and, and then, you know, so there was no, like, everything was like created in the moment and I was part, part, you know, brought along. Yeah. So it was definitely a lot of changes. So normally we think like the family home or, you know, the family, the town, whatever, as a pillar that sustains and gives you stability. So what were your pillars or what are? My pillars were definitely books. I would carry, I would got, I would, and writing. My own little refuge was like always my nose to the page, practicing my A's and B's and C, even from, a, that was one of my earliest memories is practicing my letters. And there was something about find, you know, that you could also, I could take my notebook from one place to another. I was, you know, it was kind of part of me. And then books would be really important. I loved to read. I loved to bring a book, an actual book, physical object was like a little token of safety somehow and imagination. It's a little bit of an escape too, probably, but Um, you know, I would, when my mom moved to Greece, one of the rituals would be to get a bunch of books when I lived in New York City also and take them with me to Greece. And then I would, they would be there in New York. I would take them to Greece. I would set them up on a little, you know, that was the first thing I did, set up my books, set up almost, I see it now as a little altar for myself mm. of like, this is my, this is my comfort So I, I learned to create corners of comfort for myself and maybe bring my, you know, little stuffed animals or whatever it was, yeah. whatever tokens from one place to another. And then, you know, and then just sort of be able to go with the flow, which luckily is my nature a little bit to be able to. I do, I do think that's part of my nature. So to just allow, okay, that, and it was also a good survival tool, which is probably why I, I kept going to school. School was very helpful, no matter whether it was new school or old, there was a structure there that I understood. There was always a kind teacher that I could connect with. There was always at least one friend I could find. And, and that would bring me kind of what I needed. I like to get my work done and stay on top of, you know, it just made me feel like, yeah. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. That the books, that the book is kind of your foundation is a pillar. And, and funny enough, we use that sometimes when we draw pillars, we put books, you know, <laughs> so yeah. So that's really, really cool. And, and then afterwards, you were traveling also between countries, right? Not only between schools, because then your mother moved to Greece. So you were traveling between cultures and countries. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mom moved to Greece and started kind of her, uh, her new life over there. And it's such a gift. I'm so thankful for that. What a beautiful people and country and like ancient beautiful environment like so she lives she moved right under the acropolis you know in the old city so i got that opportunity to see the world 
and learn about other ways of life and other ways of thinking. And this is a very safe country, you know, when I and I was there and growing up in the 70s and I was performing with her and tourist tavernas and learning all the Greek folk dances and, you know, kind of feeling both like an outsider, but also like part of it all because they were so, you know, I was culturally through dance, really connecting with people. And it's just, it, it's such a gift to, you know, be able to just jump up and, and they have a lot of communal dances and you just, everybody's in sync, you know, mm -hmm. together doing that. And with the music and, you know, the arms are like, you know, so there was just, that was a, it was just a beautiful way to get used to a totally new place. And, you know, the Greeks are just very loving people. So again, I felt like, yes, we were kind of, we were the eccentric belly dancing family there, but at the same time, you know, just, we were, you know, we're part of that show business life. And I was like, with, you know, the singers and the folk dancers and the musicians and everybody was always so kind and they look out for everybody, you know, mm -hmm. around them. So I was part of that and it was great. And also just feeling the energy of like ancient temple, you know, just still when I need to kind of, when I want to relax or cleanse my energy, I will visualize walking my favorite walk around the Acropolis and, you know, nice. but I would go back and forth and it would be a, you know, I was traveling alone on the airplane as a child and it was a big shock to go from one place to another. And, but I knew it was coming. I would kind of prepare myself again with my packing of my suitcase and my books and my this and my, you know, bringing little tokens with me. And then just, you know, I just know that I would always know that there's an acclimation time you get, you know, you can't, I think I just learned those strategies of like, okay, this is, this is how it is. How can I make it peaceful for myself? So I, I, I knew how to kind of manage pretty well with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you started performing and doing things since you were little, right? With your mom, uh, even juggling uh, things and candles yeah. and trays and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was, I mean, she used to, when I was probably, as soon as I was two years old, able to walk, there was a period of time where she was bringing me to her nightclub job where she was dan belly dancing in um, San Francisco and she didn't have a babysitter. There was no, <laughs> so, you know, I was coming and I was just, I would be in the, um, the dressing room, you know, kind of waiting for her. And that's where I learned to count, you know, on her tips after the show. And, and at one point, I think my first performance was, on one of those stages, she brought, she put a little costume, pinned it to my diapers and I went out and, and I did what I, you know, and, you know, again, it was not like a, it was still like, yes, it's a nightclub, but it was a, you know, there's a family atmosphere too. There was, you know, like a, it, it was a loving space, but you know, pretty wild also, but I was, so, and there was some little boy and he tried to, you know, he, his parents sent him to tip me and he he came up and he saw all the money money coming out of my diapers I don't know. <laughs> and um he tried to take the money he he wanted he was like wait there's a, i'm gonna take that and i was i didn't i was like yeah, get it back get her back so at that time you know that was one of the funny stories of that and then as as i got older um and i was dancing with my mom again it was it was like she was like well do you want to stay home alone if this was in Greece or do you want to come with me and just for 10 minutes you can just come up on stage and balance this tray and you know be part of the show and and I was like I guess I'll go with you I guess I'll do that yes okay <laughs> I would rather do that I think and so I would I was for 
many years part of her act and I would come out with my tray of candles that were lit and I would balance them on my head in front of 600 tourists from around the world. Wow. And at the end, I would take it off and often people would just run to the stage and bring me little gifts and put them on my tray and Russians would bring me little perfume vials of you know wooden and little little those little nesting dolls and just it was just such a education to see all these people from around the world and and to be part of that um beautiful like community uh of from from everywhere and and they just thought it was so charming to see a little kid doing this and I was just, it, I was just very, I enjoyed it very, very much. I, I had learned how to, how to dance and be on stage just by watching my, my parents and, you know, I was just doing what they did. And mm -hmm. so that was totally natural for me, but I was, then I would just, and it was also cool. I like to, you know, one guy once gave me his gold watch off his own wrist and we can't find it anymore. But like, I was like, oh, that's cool. So, I don't know. It was an interesting education. For sure. <laughs> that sounds very interesting. And, and also the fact that you were able to adapt to all of that, you know, whether it's being on stage, whether it's seeing all these different people and having such a big exposure what made you then go into studying and su such a different thing, which is French, or looks different at least? Yeah, I think I wasn't sure if I wanted to have a life like my mom's. You know, I I I felt like I was meant to you know study, and I was always doing well in school, and I I loved books, and I'm not a natural extrovert person. And I really like quiet spaces and being reading and writing and, and I just, and I loved the literature and I was studying French literature in college and, and it just seemed like a kind of a natural progression for me to, to apply to graduate school and I liked that challenge too. I liked, I was very, I just, I got a lot of validation in, in school and I was a really good student. And then I became, you know, I was in, I had all these honors, you know, and I, of, of writing or teaching. And I, I just, I thought maybe I was going to be a professor. So I, I tried that path and I really enjoyed it because you can follow your curiosity um, I went into medieval French literature because I was interested in the time of our history when people started to write things down and went from oral storytelling into written narrative and and it was I could explore I was looking at it from a feminist lens so I was always you know the thread of like female empowerment has always um, been there no matter whether it's dance or what I was interested in in terms of the academics. So it was always, yeah, doing that kind of study. And that gave a lens that I was looking at through what, what was, what was it that I grew up with? What is this dance? How am I showing myself? What does it mean? What does belly dance mean? You know, I, I was, I can't, I, I'm just by nature, I'm going to look at the context. I'm going to, I had to I think I should take a step back and sort of see things from a different way and from my own way and, you know, make my own way kind of. Um, but little by little, I grew disenchanted with how the institution of higher learning, you know, is going. I saw a lot of dysfunction. I saw people who could have benefited from dance and living an authentic life. and. I saw a lot of strange, you know, like I, I felt like I had to fit, I, I didn't quite fit in. I didn't know how to talk that way. You're supposed to show up a certain way in that world that I was not interested in. 
Um, and I just already was like, I don't think this is for me, but I'll keep going. You know, I, I wanted to finish and get my PhD um, and write my dissertation. And, you know, I went to Geneva and was in, lived in Switzerland. So I had, you know, there was many good lessons there. But when it came time for going on the job market and being a professor, I was I was going to be interviewed at different places and I would just end up crying in my hotel room. I knew something was wrong. <laughs> you know, I was like, I didn't know what, but I knew something was wrong and I wasn't supposed to do the, that, you know, and I trusted that. And I, yeah, I took, so I took, I took time off after, after I got my degree and sort of had a, had a, had a time with my then husband in California kind of reassessing and looking at what to do what to do next and being in a period of not knowing exactly and writing and then at that point I got back into teaching belly dance and I remember conversations I would have with my mother about you know what to teach and how to structure the lesson I wanted to teach and then and then just sharing that with the, you know, when I was in San Diego and that was back in like 1997 and just sharing what I had learned growing up and, and realizing that that authentic um, community of like sharing dance with people was, and, and that, that was the way I wanted to be in the world with people people who wanted to be there that wasn't because they had to get a degree or something this was their this was a curiosity that led them there this was a clearly a something very 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 beneficial and i can't even explain it even now exactly but that just feels exactly right that we're mm -hmm. supposed to be dancing together mm -hmm. and and just trusted that that was you know, and, and just even moving, phys exploring your physicality, exploring, I, I had already, I'd done acrobatics as a child also, and was in the circus with my, my dad, who was a, you know, musician in the circus. So I had like a little base of acrobatics and, and juggling and, and other stuff. So just create, just being in creative play <laughs> was really the actual answer to living a happy life <laughs> you know that was the actual answer not being in academia and not you know being in the analytical mind or the intellectual mind all the time you know so yeah and and how did you make that transition like was it one day you decided okay that's it or was it a process and then you left the academy it was, it was a process um, and also circumstance. I mean, you know, I, I, I finished my PhD. I went on job interviews. I didn't, I, I cried and, you know, in private and I didn't get those jobs, you know, so there was a combination where I'm like, well, it's not meant for me and it's not meant for me. So let's see now. And I had opportunity to just take time to explore and to kind of be in a position of I don't know at the same time at that same time my then my my brother-in-law was diagnosed with a with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease so it coincided with all of this what do I what is going on what 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 do I want what is you know this shift so when you have somebody close to you that you love that's facing death transformation and you you know at a young age he was my age um you i think it just really brings it home that you first of all life is precious life is short um and what do you want to do you know to make meaning and this was all happening at the same period all of my what do I do next? This is happening. 
we, you know, my, my husband at the time and I moved to go help Stephen and start a foundation to see what we could do to understand. And again, another change, um, we started an organization called the ALS Therapy Development Institute, which is still going on now, but, you know, we just, that was what was going on and that's what we went and did and it was at a time of change anyway so um and and then out of that i got pregnant Mm. um at that time during the same time and i had a big um kind of awakening of really what do i want you know before i had float i had sort of floated a little bit along like I was really good at that from my childhood as I said I was really good at just going with the flow and adopting and all of a sudden now I was creating a life was growing inside me mm-hmm. <laughs> my breath there was there was there was my brother-in-law was you know he was deteriorating um I had a bit of a um epiphany and uh, everything was breaking down, everything, and then there was this growth, and then I realized that what I really wanted and needed at that time was to show, I was going to show my daughter who I really was, and I didn't know who I really was, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I kind of knew, but I was like, what do I really want? Where do I really want to be? It was one of those kind of pivotal times. and. I just trusted that I had to do that. It was strong feeling. It came to me. It kept coming to me. I need to show her who I really am. Who am I? It's not where I am right now. So that led me to a new chapter of life of kind of going, okay, trusting again. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that at the baseline, I can teach dance and make enough money to pay the rent and to take care of my necessities. And I'm just gonna trust that. So again, no parents going, well, you're not supposed to do that and you're supposed to do this and you have to stay in safety and da da da. My parents didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So nobody, you know, I didn't, I felt like I would be okay. You know, I would somehow be okay even though it was really hard. So I think, um, yeah, my she was a major, my daughter was a major kind of wake up it's you're you're living your life you're about to produce another life (laughs) this person is going to witness you and you better show up and be the 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 person that you want to be and no more hiding and no more just kind of going along carve it out now a little bit more carve it do it you don't know what that's okay you'll figure it out you know (laughs) little by little by little so that's that's what happened and so it's just been a process of kind of learning to trust my intuition and knowing at the baseline i would be okay and having the luck of family that already lived life like that they were already in the gig economy they already lived from thing to thing and being creative people was the most important lifestyle choice so you know (laughs) nobody was going what are we going to do with her you know it was it was it was everything was fine and uh, on that level and I just went through it you know (laughs) that that's so amazing because you talk about the support that you have of the family uh, on one side or the community that you were in this case your family and then trusting, trusting your intuition, which is a big message because I think sometimes we stop listening and things like you said, like crying, <laughs> crying after the interviews, give you a clue <laughs> about something that you did not want to do. And some people don't listen to those clues; they just cry and go through the pain, and they stay, you know. And 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 you listen, you listen to yourself. Sometimes, so. yes, yes. I mean, sometimes. It took me a little longer, you know, we all stay in situations, I think that, you know, you got to try things. And then if you, you know, if there's too much drama or turmoil in that thing and too much stress, 
I mean, sometimes we just get either addicted to it or it's a distraction from reality or, you know, it helps us not face what we really want or something like that. I mean, I've been in situations where, you know, I've put off listening or I haven't realized I should be listening. But then, you know, over time now I've gotten better at recognizing, you know, where when that intuition is really true and mm-hmm. I, I and, and taking action on yeah. it yeah but i think it's a process of learning also how does your intuition talk because it's different for everybody so how does your intuition talk to you um, because you can seize a situation like a very hard one and then cry and have things but no deep insight that that's the path and you have to go through that and the other one where you cry because that's not the path <laughs> and your intuition is telling you that. And I think to be able to distinguish that, that, you know, those different messages is also a learning process about yourself. And yeah. the faster we learn, I think the, the less we suffer, you know, the window of figuring out things gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and life is not you can't expect it to be just easy. You know, everything is not just easy. You don't just have a map and you take that, you know, you follow the map. I mean, it's so it's learning how to, how to deal with the um, challenges and what are the lessons of the challenges? Yeah. And what actions come out of that or non-action, you know, and listening in. So definitely knowing yourself and how you work and how you and you know interpreting your feelings appropriate you know in in peace and figuring out what's your true voice versus what's other people's voices what's your true desires or needs or expressions versus other people's it's a very I mean, that's the work, right, of life. That's what it is. It's a beautiful thing when we get to figure that out, as you say, with a smaller window. <laughs> smaller and smaller. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I have the theory that even if they gave us a map of the path, we will either lose the map or figure out that there is another map or that that's not the path. So I think it's still a learning process, even with a map. Yeah. totally agree i totally agree we are not meant to have a map no we're not i mean we're meant to have a map and we're, then we're meant to eat the map we're meant to you know, we're meant to burn the map we're meant to switch map. with somebody else <laughs> exactly yeah and then wonder where is the map <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, my favorite thing, speaking of maps, is not having a map in a new city. This is sometimes so funny because my husband now and I, Sasha's like, loves maps, loves maps. And I'm like, I don't want a map. I just want to go walk through the city and I'm going to smell my way back to where I started. I just, you know, I just don't want a map. I, so I actually love that without a map. See oh, what nice. happens. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's cool. So now, where are you in your life? What are you doing in terms of teaching? And now I've, I have the studio Moody Street Circus, which in the time of COVID has changed how we operate. And we have circus arts classes that are masked and socially distant and very, um, you know, carefully organized and, um, and I do Zoom classes for dance online, which has been really interesting because I've learned how to teach a new way and how to trust also another way of teaching because I thought it was so bizarre to be in this era and be teaching on Zoom. And and I realized that I couldn't do it like I would do it in person, that I would actually bring more imagination and creativity, that we all needed an escape, and we all needed kind of um, a sense of healing self and almost ritual. So I, I was actually started to bring in my kind of mystical practices into my dance. So like I was doing, 
and I do do, I bring oracle cards and tarot cards into the process of the teaching. So I'll, you know, and it's spontaneous. So whatever comes to me, I'll have like in my, I, I'm, I meditate every morning and I have kind of guided journeys for myself where I was imagining how the class would go and, and choosing the music and, you know, it was a whole creative thing that was a great outlet for me and everybody else seemed to really enjoy it also. And so it was, it's actually been something really important now that I'm following and bringing into, I'll bring it into my classes in the future. That's what I want to do in, you know, in the studio too, is I'm not interested in teaching technique necessarily only, you know, um, I want to teach the creative, um, spontaneous, you know, and, and tapping into energy, uh, in terms of in movement. And now I still love choreography. I still like, think it's important. It's a great modality and mix that in, you know, memorizing steps and learning steps and having people have a, like a thing to practice, you know, but at the same time, you know, I love having imaginative journeys, you know, taking my students into the shimmy cave and continuously, you know, doing all this kind of, it's very trance-like and, and it's very therapeutic and, you know, just going with that, you know, and playing, playing nice. and playing. Yeah. That, that's really cool because that's where I'm going to. And, and, and so that's interesting to see how the parallels go just to bring more the healing part of the dancing, you know, to people, because I think they're very disconnected from their body. Um, and it's nice to get them reconnected. I, we want to fix everything of the body with the mind. And that's a different process. The body needs to heal from the body. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and I don't, I don't have a, any time where there's like, um, too much of, you know, I know what I'm doing exactly then you kind of go, really? No, it's better not to know. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> connect to earth, yeah. feel what we're feeling, move, you know, these beautiful movements, you know, shifting weight. That's, that's what we're meant to do as human humans. Yeah. Definitely less thinking. Yeah, for sure. That's Don't trust true. your thinking. Yeah. Don't trust your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trust your intuition. Trust your intuitive mind. Yeah. and your imagination yeah how would you say to train your intuition well first it's like the way that and i've had i've been studying with other with another teacher on that and like learning different modalities of that but basically just sitting with yourself in stillness and noticing what's being held in the body and the energetic field of your body. And then, you know, you start to recognize your thoughts, patterns, um, which thoughts are coming from fear and have habit or society. And what is the kind of the peaceful, spacious sense of awareness. And then I started to just notice and on these kind of almost like shamanic journeying, you know, uh, that images would come or, you know, in, in the imagination, in the imaginative field that I wasn't directing necessarily. It was, it was emerging and I would notice that there would be images that would come that would be, I would write down after and I would just sit with that and see, sort of feel what is the lesson of this or that or the other and how do things come? And you start to just get to know, like, there are many different ways. Everyone is different. Everyone is unique in terms of their intuition and how they can, you know, how it shows up for them. Some people have, like, they, they, it's through hearing some people it's through visualization some people it's feeling some people can see or I mean there's all different ways mm -hmm. and there is no you know so getting to know your own way uh, is really interesting and takes just sort of being diligent in your practice and trusting 
and you start to see if I, as I, as I looked back at my life, I even saw dreams and remember certain dreams that I knew at the time were very powerful and, and were meaningful and mm. were telling me something about my life and what to do. And you can start, the more you tap into that field and trust that there is something there, the more it reveals. Yeah. So I, I've been trusting that more and more and can recognize better when, when it's intuition versus when it's like worried analysis or fear. <laughs> or your, your mind trying to push some something. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Because I think that's the hard thing when people, well, we've gone into talk about intuition because that's a thing that interests me a lot. Um, and I also try to teach and it's, the, the thing that people mostly say is how I distinguish it from thinking and creating something from thought than from my intuition. And I think you explain it really well. And in, it is a practice where you have to learn to listen to yourself and figure out the different messages and how it comes to you because it's different for everybody. So people feel like if they're not seeing visions yeah. or something, they don't have intuition. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> they're all different. Yeah. So yeah. beautiful. And in, in so going so much with the flow, what has been a challenge, a big challenge in your life? And what did you learn? So many challenges all the time. Um, little. <laughs> um, I guess a big challenge is is still the things present you know like for example if i i had i had an incident with uh, you know with my studio and i was you know in the in the building department of the city and you know there was there was a lot of stress and i was worried that you know, it would get taken away from me or something, or I didn't do something right and bureaucratically and bureaucratic stuff just stresses me out. Right. Of course. Everybody, like, I think. <laughs> <laughs> bureaucratic stuff. And I'm like a very, I'm like a very, I'm very Virgo. I'm diligent. I cross my T's. I dot my I's. I, you know, I like, I try to do, and I, I that's a, you know, and bureaucracy, the energy field of bureaucracy is just terrifies me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to do it. I'm a good person, blah, blah, blah. You know, well, like, I'm trying to do it all right. And there's something mysterious about it. Uh, it about. Anyway, you just, I guess the big challenge is learning to take care of that kind of business with still staying in the moment, staying in my peace, you know, not, not going into the fear, you know, of things like that. So that's, again, it's just a, it's a practice. Like everything is a practice. Life is a practice. You know, but I guess, again, I'm quicker to see and feel something that's triggering all of that fear um, or any kind of fear. And then I'm able to work with my tools to dissolve and, and understand and the, the fear and where that's coming from and what's, you know, what's the bigger picture kind of thing. So mm -hmm. everything is <laughs> life is always going to present you with something that is going to be a uh, stress, you know, you know, and then you're like, Oh, okay. What message? What's the message? And then also just like, don't be too quick. That's another thing. I'm always like, okay, the message is this X, Y, Z. I don't know. Maybe I'm learning to go like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure, but like, let me feel this out. Cause you know, pinning it down, you know, too fast is not the answer that, that is that is so good that you say that because i think once you learn that tool of like okay what other meaning does it have sometimes you don't get the meaning until even years later you know then years are like yeah how it makes sense you know but you've been trying to make sense right away right away and it's 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 a very nice message that you're saying just to sometimes you have to let it go and just you know, don't put a meaning because you don't have it, you know, just don't put a meaning just because you want to. <laughs> exactly. When we want to, we want to box it up and like put it away, you know, but it's yeah. like, it's a process. So trusting the process is the hard, it's the hardest thing. <laughs> it's so, it's, it's the hardest, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
but... And what would be one tool, you're saying that you have your box of tools to process challenges. So what would be, you know, one or two tools that will help people that have a harder time through challenges? Well, I do, you know, I do do meditation, but I don't do it with like, I, I've shifted how I meditate a little bit from just like I used to be like, okay, I'm going to do it like, watch my breath. Okay, let the thoughts go. It was a process of softening <laughs> and making friends with it and, um, and then getting a little bit more mystical with it was fun for me like the creations of the guide you know using guided journeys a tool is definitely moving moving and dancing and and being doing physical exercise before you act on something or worry something you know take a moment that's hard to do i have i have made many errors in that department and just like <laughs> want to react really fast about something that I think I'm, you know, no, I'm like, no, I must be right about this. I'm, you know, but no, 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 it's much better to take a pause and like work out, do something else, take a walk, redirect the mind. You know, I do, I've learned tarot um, and, and like tapped into the energy of different of the elements, you know, of, of earth. And I know, you know, it sounds all very, you know, it, it, one thing to say, but it's another thing. It's experiential. Everything is experiential. And yeah. um, so I've just kind of, I've always journaled. That's always a big help for me. So that concept of the morning pages in the morning writing, you know, and watching that you're not on social media in a way that's making you not breathe and stress out. Um, you know, like it's a lot of, it's just too much. The culture wants everybody to react and respond right away. And, and you, you know, it's, you, it's, it's important to find ways to, to, to be with yourself and, have you know so my tools are are so you know so many sometimes I'll just sit and I'll be like okay I think I, I definitely I just got to go go for a walk okay and then sometimes I I have a ritual of like taking my problem and saying okay air how will you breathe space into this problem okay fire how could you transform this mm. okay, water how can you bring me some cleansing and purifying of this problem and asking the elements earth how can you how can you how can i surrender this to you or how can you you know and that's the mystical stuff okay it sounds woo woo when i say but when you feeling yourself supported by those energies it just it gives you it take gives you time for a new perspective and and then you write it down and you see and so if you can like the Beatles were brilliant. I mean, let it be, let it be, let it be, Have your <laughs> let it be. There will be an answer. Let it be. Just wait. And, you know, an answer will come. Um, usually the things where you're immediately trying to respond are probably where you, you know, be good to take a pause, you know, or something. But it's really hard to get comfortable in discomfort. It's really hard. People don't want to. And I, you know, for example, I just am deter, I love challenges. And one of the challenges that came to me, like in my forties, no, in my thirties going before, yeah. Like before I turned 40 was to stop drinking entirely. And it was just, I wasn't over drinking or anything. I just was like, I, I was like, something came to me. It was suggested to me. And I was like, oh. I was like, that will bring really clarity. I'm supposed to be in clarity about something. I don't know what, I need to be clear. And I wanna do it this way. And I have fun and laugh and am silly person by nature. So I don't need to drink to be a, to have a good off. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would take off my clothes and dance anywhere if somebody was like this. You know, I don't I, need to drink, okay? <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can tell a story about that, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, that's, yeah, to sit with discomfort, yeah, is really important to 
to cultivate and it's so hard it's mm -hmm. so hard but i you know it feels kind of badass at the same time you know it's like brave it's yeah. badass it's cool yeah. i like that that's where i you know that's where i want to be yeah right, but you you've experienced discomfort many times in your life if you were changing so much uh, you know countries and cultures and schools and environments and <laughs> you've experienced it since you were a kid yeah oh yeah true True, true. And I learned, I've learned, I, I learned, yeah, you, I, I get, like I said about crying, like, I can cry, but it doesn't mean I've lost myself and lost control. I actually cry. I know it's a release. I always knew it was like some kind of an energetic release that had to happen. Emotions have to flow. I feel things strongly. They might flow out that way, but I'm still okay. I'm mm -hmm. still okay. And everything's going to be okay. And I even as a child, I just, I knew that, you know, I was, I could, you know, I remember even when at one point of life that was difficult and I went to a therapist, um, which I love going to therapy. That was great. It was awesome. Highly recommend it. But I'm able to share very openly lots of stuff. I don't care. You know, it's 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 fine that I was doing a lot of crying in there. And she was like, no, I know you're probably going to be against this, but are you sure you don't want an antidepressant? You know, and I was like, you're right. I don't want that. I do not need an antidepressant. I need a new apartment for myself. That's what I need. <laughs> I need an antidepressant. Yeah. I need this other thing. Because I knew I would be okay, but you have to express, you have to express your feelings. Um, not in a way against people, not to hurt other people. It's good to be, you know, you have to be mindful of your effect and your presence on others. But uh, you can cry without it being self-pitying. You you know, it's a release. Same way dance is like, it's a release. And we, you know, it helps change the energy. I think that's a good point because you can also feel anger and just not anger to other, and, and not like dump it on top of other people. You can process those feelings that you can process them and that's it. And there's no harm around you or you can process them and harm somebody. Uh, so it's how you decide to process and to find a way that can release that even anger, even, you know, fear, whatever feeling that you're feeling, just yeah. go through it, let it be, you know, let it, because I think the faster you let it be, the faster it's going to leave you. Yeah. If you hold on, or if you, you know, use it to fight somebody, it's going to come back at you anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the beautiful like image of doing um, martial arts, you know, like, yeah, you, you exactly. know, you let the energy just pass, you know, yeah. through or beyond and you go with it. You don't fight it and don't resist. And yeah, but yeah, I mean, just my higher like mission personally is to not create harm in the world around me as little as possible. And no one is perfect, but yeah, to take responsibility for your actions, for your feelings, and so that they, because everything that you do and every every way that you show up in the world is having an impact yeah. on on the environment, on the people, you know, and as a teacher of dance, you know, that comes kind of naturally, you know, you feel, but even me as a teacher of dance, you know, showing up and your presence is not just through voice it's through how you hold yourself it's through how you interact with people and you know everything you say is is also being heard by everybody and it's going to impact everybody so you know being loving you know and or saying things in a loving way is kind of the way i'd rather do it rather than that's wrong yeah, you know, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 everything you do. But then sometimes I'm still learning in my outside, you know, when I'm not in the, you know, the teacher mode of that, in my other life, you know, my your regular life is when you know, when you're at the store, you know, it, it it's holds true wherever you are. So unifying the whole field of like, the whole thing matters. Yeah. And and yeah, that's also very important. Because you see some people that get into, for example, the energy world, right? Or, or the healing or the coaching and they're wonderful people at the event, at the teaching. 
And then outside of that, <laughs> you see a different side. And you're like, you should perspire in all the directions, you know? And I've seen people coming from an event where everything is like, you know, really zen and in, in tune with energy and nature. And then they're throwing plastics in the floor and you're like, okay, that's also part of the whole experience, you know, bringing your love of nature everywhere. So, and I, we're not perfect, but, you know, at least we should aspire outside of the roles that we take or the events that we participate in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a funny one. It's yeah. true. And yeah. it takes time. I think it just takes time to integrate. Yeah, no, you don't even I think people, you know, we all do that on some level. There's some aspect, you know, like the shadow side is not yet integrated or, or something is still not, you know, something is playing out over somewhere else. And, you know, I think sitting with yourself again and kind of it, it'll 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 come up and out. It'll somehow come up and out. And people are at different lo- different levels of realizing that for themselves somehow you know and I think it's beautiful what you share about asking the questions regarding the elements and um, you were saying it's boo-boo I think it's brilliant and marvelous and for those that think it's boo-boo it's it's really just asking better questions to yourself instead of asking why is this happening to me it's like okay so how can I flow better you know, like water, how can I get a sharper mind? How can I get a track better understanding? How can I be more grounded? And, and, uh, you know, it's just asking better questions, your mind will get to work, your energy will attract what needs to attract. And so I think it's, uh, for me, it's beautiful how you say it. But for those that may think it's woo, it's asking better questions to yourself. That's good. That's a good, that's a good way of putting it. The yeah. questions are, those are the, the big questions getting, I mean, basically I think it's, it's rising above yourself, kind of looking from, you know, that higher perspective of like getting a bigger perspective, you know, get a bigger, get. Yeah. <laughs> we are here for a very short time. Life is beautiful. We are somehow think life is supposed to be harder than it is and we make it more complicated than it is and we get addicted even to that mm-hmm. and then we think we're important because we're so stressed out and worried and i don't know what we're holding on and then that's the hardest thing is to go i i don't know anything i'm gonna go with the flow uh i'm gonna keep learning and discovering and just try to be creative and have fun and cry, cry. <laughs> I'm going to share a little anecdote that I had with you in terms of going with the flow, because remember, I I took some pictures of you and uh, I actually, they ended up in an exhibition. And one of the times that we met, I wanted to take pictures of you and Sasha doing aerials on your home. Uh, You had, uh, you had a trapeze and you had some clothing and some, some things from the circus there at home. And so I got there ready to shoot an amazing shot. And then so Melinda comes out and she's all dressed in this red velvet dress, really, you know, tiny, really beautiful. And then Sasha comes out and, uh, you know, he's like, okay, let's go for the pictures. And then he goes completely naked and he takes down his pants. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then a second after Melinda is, oh, so we're going to do it naked. Okay, fine. So she pulls all her dress <laughs> So then I have them both naked. I'm thinking, okay, let's go with the flow. <laughs> this is what we're gonna do today. <laughs> oh my god, that yeah. was hilarious. Yes, well, Sasha was like in. He was. He had done this photo shoot in his past, which was very artistic, and you know, it was like he always loves those statues of the Greek gods, or you know, with the nude statues of the Michelangelo. And this is for him like the, the, the high classy photo, you know, and not like erotic, not porn, but no. <laughs> the classy beauty of the human form, you know, yeah. and that was what he thought was the artistic, you know, and, and then I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, it's just, it's just a body. But again, that's like, what's the, okay, when another, one of my favorite quote is RuPaul, RuPaul's Drag Race, um, 
RuPaul says, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. And I love that quote too. We're born naked. And, you know, everybody puts these ideas on how things are supposed to be and how we're supposed to be. And, you know, this culture is pretty prudish about that. But that's not to say I'm running around naked all the time. But but I also think there's a natural, (laughs) you know, there's a natural... I'm going, yeah, we we, go, we do go with the flow with that. Yeah. I mean, there are limits, of course, but, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, of course, Christina. <laughs> like, okay. oh it was an experience because then you have to figure out where to take the picture from <laughs> to make it, you know, elegant and uh, very nice and, and, and not something it. else. You did it. It was very elegant. There was just a beautiful shape, you know, the beautiful universe of the the backside. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. Oh my god! But I'm I'm gonna be respectful because we I think we are already like way over an hour. Um, But I could go on and on and on with you. I'm really happy that we connected and that uh, we had this time to share some of your experiences and your knowledge. And uh, I hope we can connect also with Sasha. And I'm really, really thankful again for your time, Melinda. Really happy to see you. It's my pleasure. I'm I'm glad to flow in this conversation with you. It was it was super fun. And I don't know what happened, but it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me.